good morning everyone. Uh, it's great to see you. Today we're going to be talking about giving. The next two weeks at City Church is going to be our gift days. Uh, and we want to look today at our attitude towards giving. We want to look at what Paul has to say to the Corinthian church about, uh, about grace with regards to giving. And then some practical pictures around how we see our own giving. And in order to motivate us to help us uh, as we face and uh, come to the next two weeks together. So I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the first nine verses. And now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urged, urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in love that we kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test your sincerity by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Father, we just ask that you'd help us to understand what Paul is saying here and to apply these things to our lives, that the Holy Spirit, you would just uh, change us, even as we hear, change our attitudes, change our hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray we would excel in this grace of giving, just as Paul is commending this to the Corinthians. Amen. So Paul is writing to Corinth. We've been in 1 Corinthians and this is the second letter Paul writes um, and he's, uh, he's kind of challenging them with how giving is going in Macedonia. Macedonia is North Greece and there's a number of churches there in North Greece, some of which we would be familiar with. Philippi, Thessalonica, maybe some others as well that we would have heard of. And Paul is saying, look, uh, uh, look how they gave. <laughs> These churches overflowed with generosity. And then he's saying, look uh, to the Corinthian church, look at their faith and see if you can emulate it yourselves. Now, the, the issue for the Macedonian churches would have been this, that the invading Romans had kind of fleeced them for all their wealth. They'd stolen it from them. And so that was the situation, the trial that they were facing. And yet even in the midst of uh, this unjust removal of wealth, they were still earnest, pleading with them that they would give. Something's happened to these guys, isn't it? Something's happened in their hearts. They would want to give even out of extreme poverty. Uh, poverty. So let's start with verse 8, where Paul says this. I'm not commanding you, says Paul. He's not pointing uh, the Corinthian church to the law. He's not saying, okay, Corinth, uh, you need to give, and this is your religious duty. It says here in the book, or it says here in the bylaws, or whatever it would be, that this is what you should give, and this is how you should do it. Uh, so cough up. <laughs> He's really not saying that. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I'm challenging you with the earnestness uh, and the evidence of God's grace in others. And that's the key word here. We want to talk about the grace of giving. And Paul uses that phrase in verse 7. See that you excel in the grace of giving. So it's not a religious law. 
In one sense, it would be easy if it was. Here's the law. Here's, here's where it's written. Just do it. Um, but we know, don't we, that the New Testament, that Jesus, that God is not just concerned with the keeping of laws. You, if you exert enough pressure on somebody, you can make them do stuff, can't you? Now, that, that could be through reward. It could be like, if you do this, if, you, you know, if we give you enough money, would you do this? Or it could be through threat. If you do this, this bad thing will happen to you. And you get the same results either way, potentially. You get a behavior change. But what don't you get? You don't get a heart change. You don't, there, there, nothing's changed inside. I still don't want to give, uh, you know, I, I feel compelled to if it's a reward or I feel compelled not to if it's a threat, but my heart hasn't really changed. <laughs> and yet the gospel is about a changed heart. God, it says, looks at the heart. He says, I'll take away your hearts of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh that loves God, that wants to do its will, that, like the Macedonians, is earnest, is pleading to give financially, even out of their poverty. What's changed? The heart has changed. And Paul says, it's not a law. It's not a law, but look inside. Look at what God has done and then let your behavior flow out from what he has already done. So that's the first thing. It's not a law, it's a grace gift. Secondly, what Paul says here is, is, uh, is this, and what we see here in the passage is this, that these are not simply church attenders. It's not just, well, here's the number of people and here's, uh, you know, here's, they, they, they just turn up on a Sunday or they turn up to their meetings, they sit in their seats and they go home again. Because what do we read in verse 5? We read this, they gave themselves. They had given themselves first to the Lord. Again, speaking of a heart attitude. It wasn't just it was convenient for them and so they signed, they signed up. No, they gave themselves. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to Paul and the other leaders. They, had, they were all in. They were all in. In Acts 2, when we see the beginnings of the church after the Pentecost, it said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to each other. They were devoted to one another because their heart had changed. I think you can tell the difference between people who are just behaving because they have to and people who are behaving because they, they really want to. It's the difference between law and love. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, I'll do it because I have to, but nothing. Don't You can't make me. You can't make me want to. And yet the gospel changes our hearts. And so these were, these were people whose hearts had been changed. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the leadership. They were devoted to giving. They really earnestly wanted to do that. As we move on, what we see is that Paul is, is both commending uh, the Corinthians for the evidence of those changed hearts, the evidence of grace amongst them, and he's challenging them at the same time. He does those two things. And so uh, we see that uh, in verse 7. He says this. He says, look, I, look I, want to, I want to commend you for the grace that is evident amongst you. You excel in everything, says Paul. You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love. In the love that we kindled in you, we, we helped you on the way. And now, he says, excel also in the grace of giving. What he's saying is that the evidence of changed hearts, the evidence of grace amongst you is everywhere to see. 
And it's evident in faith, it's evident in speech, it's evident in knowledge, it's evident in earnestness and in love. And I would say, we could say the same of City Church. The evidence of grace amongst you is everywhere to see. And I, I have the privilege of seeing all sorts of areas of church life. Sometimes we just get a little glimpse. But it's a great privilege to see many people giving their time to serve City Church. That's an evidence of a change, of a changed hearts, saying, I, I re, I'm all in. <laughs> I, I see God's hand in this. I see God's kingdom coming, and I want to be part of that. And I want to learn how to be uh, more effective in doing that. And many people are doing that across the life of the church. You see it, I think, in the way that, uh, that City Church tries to serve the city, particularly those for whom life is challenging. You see it in street life. You see it in... Um, in, in, in weekly meetings, in the encounter uh, meetings each week, you see people pouring their lives and you see it in the, in the devotion to the winter night shelter. Many of you giving yourselves. Why? Not because you have to, but because it's an evidence of grace, a, a heart change. I want to see people's lives change because why? Well, I have had Jesus change mine. My heart has been affected by his love for me. And so Paul says this, he says, look, you, you excel in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in earnestness and in love. And he says, and then he brings a challenge. So he's commending them and then he challenges them. And he says this, I want you to also excel in this grace of giving as well. He says, don't stop there. <laughs> don't stop with the grace that is evident amongst you. Don't hold back, push ahead into this grace of giving too. Now let's pick up the story in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, uh, 6 to 11. Remember this, says Paul, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So what is Paul now saying? He's introducing some new pictures and we'll get onto those, some new metaphors. But first in verse seven, we see this. He says, give what you've decided in your heart to give. Paul says this is a decision of the heart. And we've mentioned this because we've talked about grace and a changed heart. He says, give out of your heart. Don't give out a compulsion. Don't give out of religious duty but give out of your heart, which very likely and historically and biblically probably means you're going to give a lot more because suddenly this is, this is a decision of, of passion, of, of, of a deep felt desire to love and follow God. That's where to look when you're wondering about how to give and what to give. He says, give what you've decided. Each of you should give, verse 7, what you've decided in your heart to give. Again, he says, not reluctantly not under compulsion, it's not a law. <laughs> but he said, God loves a giver that gives out of a heart of thankfulness and gratitude and worship. That's what he's saying. So it's not a matter, says Paul, of what's left in the kitty. 
you know, what I've got left in the tin at the end of the month, you know, how's a bank account looking this week? Have we, you know, have we been careless this month? You know, it's not what can I spare? It's not ultimately, now it doesn't mean that economics don't come into it, but it's not ultimately just economics. It's a matter of the heart. So that's where to go. Give out of your heart. Do with your money what you've already done with your hearts, and that is give it to God. Give the seat of your passions, the seat of your decision-making, the seat of your loves, of your worship. Give it to God, even as you've done that in becoming a believer and a follower of Jesus. In Luke 2, what we find is, in Luke 12, what we find is Jesus saying this. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. <laughs> Where's your treasure? Where is it? And that's where you find your heart. Is your treasure in God's kingdom? Uh, and that's where your heart will be. That works both ways, of course, doesn't it? It's like, where, look, at your, look at where you give your time and energy to. That's, that's, what, that's where your treasure is. And then also you can inform your heart by giving to something as well. Works both ways. What we do with our money is an expression of what we've already done with our hearts, what we do with our time, what we do with our energy. It's an expression of what we've done with our hearts and what God has done with us already. And in verse 7 of the passage we read in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, Paul says this, God loves a cheerful giver. And the real and uh, kind of uh, proper or better interpretation of that word cheerful would be hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. I just, I, 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 I'm, it's out of joy, an outflow, an overflow of joy that I want to give to God. And then just drawing to a close really, Paul introduces this metaphor, this picture, and this picture is of the farmer. And let's just conclude by reading these verses in 2 Corinthians 9, um, 10 to 15. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be rich in every way so that you will be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've provided yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their, the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So Paul takes us to the farmer. And again, he uses this picture, this metaphor, because it would have instantly been familiar. I guess there aren't that many farmers <laughs> uh, listening this morning, but that doesn't mean we don't understand the picture. And what Paul says is, look, God is the provider of the seed for the farmer. Imagine that you have a plot of land and this is where the food is coming from for this year, for this season. And God is the supplier of the seed. So you've got a sack of seed, maybe a few sacks, and you've got land. Um, now you're going to needs to sow some of that seed because you need a harvest for next year but you also can have to eat some of that seed make it into bread because you need to eat now and so the idea is this that there is that some of what gives or some of what god gives is is for bread 
And some of what God gives is to sow. Um, and that's, that's the idea that if you, you know, we, we had the privilege of working in Southern Africa with many subsistence farmers. And that was their daily challenge is, is right, we've got this seed, uh, we've got this, this grain, and some of it we need to save and sow, and some of it we need to eat. Uh, and the tragedy, of course, is that the, that hunger and famine can be such that you eat everything that, and you've got nothing left to sow. And, of course, that perpetuates the problem of, of, of lack of food because that means the next season there's not going to be any food either because you've not sown. He says, look, you know how to get a good crop. <laughs> you sow generously. If you sow lots of seed, very basically, lots of plants are going to grow, which will make even more seed for the next season. But let's think about this. There's some to eat and some to sow. Our culture doesn't really think about the fact you might sow, and certainly not into God's kingdom. It thinks that you, you know, whatever I have is bread for me. It's, it's all mine. If I've earned it, if I have it, it's mine. And Paul introduces the concept that actually all of it is ultimately from God. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed. So it's saying ultimately God is providing everything, and that's, that's something for the believer to contemplate. Everything that God gives me, the time, the energy, the money, I, it's not just that I earned it, that I worked hard and it's mine. It comes from God. All good things come from God. He, he owns it all. And he has generously given me, given you, resources. And those resources aren't just for me, but they are also to sow. And we have to think carefully about what is bread and what is seed. And the harvest, of course, and Paul makes this very clear, the harvest is not that you get rich. <laughs> it's not, well, sow and say, you've got more. Great, I've got more. The harvest is what? The harvest is righteousness. <laughs> that he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God has provided you with financial resources that you would sow into his kingdom and the result would be righteousness. We want to see Bristol believe. We want there to be rightness in the community, godliness, people loving him, worshipping him, following him, devoting their lives to him, families being reunited, reconciliation, forgiveness. We want that love and care in the community as a result of God's uh, great gift of Jesus. We can sow to that end financially. We can give ourselves to that. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, some of what God has given you is to sow so that righteousness would increase. And your richness in every way would result in what? It would result in more generosity, that you could be generous on every occasion. Um, and that generosity would ultimately result in thanksgiving to God. As I mentioned earlier, we live in a, you know, a capitalist society. And, and in many ways, that's, that serves humanity well. But it can, it can make our hearts very hard towards the needs of others. It can make our hearts very selfish, that I... I I am owed this. This is mine. I have earned it. It belongs to me. And Paul and really the gospel tells us otherwise. 
doesn't say it's wrong to be rich. It doesn't say you shouldn't work hard. It doesn't say there aren't rewards for working hard. It does say this. It says, because of your changed hearts, when you do receive God's blessing, it's not just for you. You know, that early promise, even way back to Abraham, was this. I'm going to bless you in order that you would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. It was never that blessing is just for you. It was always that it would be shared generously with those around us. It's that that grace that God has first poured in. He was the prime mover in his love for us. He was the prime mover in his provision for us. So however hard you work, however much qualifications you have acquired, ultimately God has given these things to you. The opportunities for education, the chance to do well in the workplace. These are gifts of God. And we acknowledge that first and then we respond by saying, thank you, I'm going to, I'm going to give back. I'm going to sow back into the kingdom of God what you have poured in to me. I'm not just going to eat it all. It's not all bread. Some of it is seed. I want to send it on ahead for the next season. And that's what we want to do over the next few weeks is to send on ahead um, provision for the next season of what God is doing amongst us. So I want to commend these verses to you. I'd like you to go and think about them. <laughs> go, go contemplate what these things mean. They're very challenging. This is, this is not the way that 21st century Bristolians normally think. This, this is different. This is, this is Christian faith. This is, this is grace at work. And this, for many of us, is where the rubber hits the road. You know, this is practical Christianity uh, in its rawest form. Because it's, in one sense, it's easy to stand in church and raise my hands and worship and wonderful in the presence of God, wonderful that it is. But it's harder to sit down and write a check <laughs> or to adjust my monthly giving. These, these are, the, wow, crumbs, it really, this is making a difference now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's an acknowledgement that he has first loved me, that he's changed my heart, that grace works in and then works out, and that gratitude and worship has practical outflow. And uh, I want to commend these things to you and ask that you think very seriously about these next few weeks and our gifts to God. Father, I thank you so much that you first have given to us. Thank you, Lord, too, that you provide a way for us to give back to you. Thank you that we can give financially and that gift financially um, coming out of a, a grateful heart can sow into the kingdom, that the result can be righteousness, both in our own attitudes, but also in the lives of others and in the advancement of your kingdom, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done, we pray. So help us, Father, speak to us, challenge us, and lead us on in this grace, we pray. Amen.